0: warrior woman welcome back to the warrior school podcast this is episode 148 we're almost at 150 baby thank you for being here thank you for listening we're gonna spend some solo time together it's been about a week since i've recorded a podcast episode there's a lot going on in my world uh which I'm going to tell you a little bit about at the start of the podcast episode. And then we're going to talk about how to talk to our daughters about food and their bodies. That's our topic for today. And I'm really excited for this topic. I love this topic. It's an important topic. So we're going to talk about that. But I'm just going to give you a bit of an update on what's happening in my world. Uh, And if you want to give me an update of what's happening in your world, let me know. Send me an email, send me a DM. I love to hear from you. I love to hear about your world, about your training. All right, so I'm pretty sure I started off last podcast episode with the same. (laughs) It's been a big couple of weeks. Uh, It's going to be a big 90 days and what's going on well we are 11 days out my friends 11 days until i get to go home so i've got a big couple of weeks on a big 11 days uh to prepare for the trip i've got a lot on inside of warrior school And a lot of prep work to do for when I get back in December. And so that's what I'll be doing for the next 11 days. I want to try and record a few podcast episodes for you. I've got a couple here that need to be edited uh, that have some guests. So don't you worry, you'll still be able to whack me in your ears. I'm going to try and get Kitty, Leela and Libby to do a podcast episode all together when we get together at the end of November. And I might try and get some guests on when I'm in Australia. Actually, Carson and I, we were out to dinner on Friday night. We went to this beautiful Asian fusion restaurant downtown in Vancouver before we went to Elton John. And I was saying to him, oh, you should come on the podcast because that day, earlier that day, he had recorded his first podcast episode with his friend who is also a coach at a gym. So this gym started their own podcast episode and he was invited on to speak. And he was just telling me uh, about his experience. And I said, oh, you should come on my podcast. Let's talk about our relationship. You know, I'm really into relationships right now. Well, I have been for a long time. I'm very fascinated uh, by relationships. And what we're going to talk about today is our relationship with food and our body and how we talk to our daughters about it. So I said to Carson, come on, come on the podcast and let's talk about our relationship. You know, how we relate. uh, We work together. We've been here together in this small apartment for the last three years you know we've known each other for eight we've been together for seven and I thought it would be a really cool experience uh to get Carson on and to talk about relationships and why we work uh so I'm gonna try and get him on before I go if not I'll get him on in December when I get back uh So there'll be podcast episodes for you to listen to. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff happening inside of Warrior School. We are on day 22 of Strengthen Your Confidence Challenge. So it ends on Friday. It's a 26-day challenge. So we're wrapping it up this week. And I'm going to record a podcast episode for you on the challenge Uh, Just sharing wins and challenges and the experience. I might even try and get a couple of my warriors on the podcast uh, or to do a live just to talk about their experience uh, with the challenge. The whole mission of our challenge was to build more confidence with their training practice, with their body, to overcome the fear of adding weight to things or making things harder, to execute PRs and to have loads of fun and that's what they've been doing for the last 22 days it's been epic to watch uh, and i haven't been in today uh, to the back end to look at all their training and give them more feedback yet but i imagine that there is some really cool prs uh, from the weekend and from today so i'm really excited to dive in so it's been a really big 22 days i've participated in the challenge as well so last week I trained four days in a row uh, and pushed hard, which, which is really cool. I I'm going through this reinvention, and uh, I wouldn't even say I'm I'm going through it at the moment. I'm still uh, stuck at the start where where actually I was having a dinner with a girlfriend on Saturday night. Hi Nicole, and she was asking me about. Work and the business, and I was talking to her about the vision that I have, this really big vision for my life and for warrior school. And I was telling her how I've avoided it, um, this reinvention and working through this stuff for the past couple of months now. <laughs> I've been over-training, overworking overdoing my hot, cold exposure therapy to avoid the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And I was saying to her that it's not the the work that's scary to me. It's not, you know, the, the big vision that I have for the business and all of the work that I, I know that's going to have to go into it and the financial invest, investment behind it. What's the hardest thing for me Uh, is more of the personal reinvention of like, who do I have to become in order to make this vision happen? And I'm actually going to do a full podcast episode on this because it's been a really hard experience, but a really cool experience that I've gone through more so personally around who am, who am I, who, and I, I'm sure you remember, uh, A couple of months ago, John, my business coach, asked me, he gave me four prompts or four questions. And those four questions sent me (laughs) into a complete spiral, uh, into, you know, a black hole. I felt a little dark and twisty. You know, I was trying to uh, train my way out of it, uh, orgasm my way out of it, (laughs) hot, cold exposure my way out of it. uh, And... In the end, he said to me one day in an email, oh, just forget the questions. And I'm like, I can't forget the questions. They're just spinning around and around and around in my head. Uh, And so for for those of you who maybe haven't listened to uh, the previous podcast episode where I shared the questions, the first one was, who are you? The second one was, what do you really love about yourself? And the third one was, what don't you like about yourself or what have you been conditioned to not like about yourself? You know, maybe what what is your dark side that you push down, that you squash? And then the fourth one was, who are you really? And so these questions just sent me into a complete spiral uh, and I had a little bit of a breakdown. And then John and I were emailing back and forth about the business, about the reinvention, you know, about what's going to happen uh next year and he said something to me in that email that just stopped me in my tracks that shook me uh that i had to spend a couple of weeks really working through like he didn't say anything bad to me he just wrote you know a sentence but it was what He said in the sentence that sparked uh, this, I guess, this jolt. uh, And, you know, I I really had to spend a couple of weeks just working through this. So I'm actually going to talk about it. Uh, It's just my I'll talk about that experience and what's come up for me around, you know, who am I and what do I do? My identity, my relationship with calling myself a trainer and a coach, Uh, super interesting stuff. So a lot of stuff happening uh, personally for me, uh, which is super cool. I believe uh, we have many births and deaths in our life around who we are. And so this one's been, she's been a bit hard and she's brought up a lot of stuff, but You know, I'm really trying to sink into not avoiding it. It's time. You know, I've spent the last few months avoiding and now I need to sink into it. Uh, And so I'm doing a lot of work personally, which then therefore is really going to support the work that I want to do within my business, within Warrior School next year, which is very epic and very exciting. But I'll go deeper uh, into that on another podcast episode. I'll talk a little bit more about the reinvention uh, and the book and some some other things. So, the Strengthen Your Confidence Challenge, it sparked something in me. And this kind of goes alongside with my vision for Warrior School and what I want to build out. So, I'm getting clearer on that, on what it's going to look like. But one part of it, uh, which is super cool and really exciting, is going to have this performance piece to it. And there's a reason behind this, which I'm not going to share with you yet. Uh, There is something really cool that's going to happen within Warrior School. And it's going to be an arm or a sister of Warrior School. And so for me to build that out and to birth that, uh, I need to play around with this whole idea and concept of performance. So for those of you who know me, know the work, are in the work, uh, are in Warrior School, you know that we build a foundation. We need a strong foundation in order to have a successful and sustainable training practice, in order to feel more confident in ourselves and in our bodies. In order to live into our vision, to achieve our vision, we need a strong foundation. So a lot of the work for the first six, nine, 12 months inside of Warrior School is building that strong foundation. And we do that through uh, creating safety and stability in the body by food, uh, sleep, stress management, Then we start to build a strong training foundation through body weight strength, training, mobility, flexibility, learning how to train properly, proper movement patterns. And then slowly over time, you know, I unleash their warrior within on the barbell and they start to strength train and add weights and progress their training. We're going to take it to another level in 2023, and we're going to explore the performance space. So what I'm doing right now, and she's coming today, is I actually ordered a whoop strap and I am going to do a shitload of data collection and analysis and performance stuff. So I'm actually gonna take my training to the next level I'm gonna train all different types of energy systems. I wanna get even stronger. I wanna put on even more muscle mass. I'm gonna get leaner, so I'm gonna strip off body fat. And I'm gonna play a lot around with the data. And the, the reason why I'm doing this is so I can build out this performance piece with inside of Warrior School. Because once we've built the foundation, you know, and that can, that takes more than a year. Yeah. I've had a solid training practice for 14 years and yes, I I built, excuse me. I'm just going to have a sip of water here. So yes, I built a pretty strong foundation and I believe you can build a pretty strong foundation, you know, within a year. But then it takes years after that to build this strong, resilient, powerful, capable body that we want. Years and years and years. But that doesn't mean that we can't play around with this performance piece. Uh, And when I'm talking about performance, I'm talking about pushing our bodies, you know, to see what they're capable of training a little bit more specifically specializing in certain things pushing our limits in certain areas and in order for us to do that we need data we want to know what's happening in the body so i believe when you're building a foundation that we can use more of a subjective data collection and i've spoken about this loads before on the podcast so i'm not going to go into it on this episode but you know for me I don't track, you know, I don't wear a watch or a ring or a strap. I don't track my food. And so I'm not much of of an objective data uh, collector, I would say. But, and I don't think we need to be when we build our foundation. I think what matters the most is do we have a consistent practice? Are we developing a stronger connection and building more trust with our body through learning how to collect subjective data? So having your journal, you know, paying attention to your sleep, your mood, your appetite, your cycle, without bringing in a lot of objective data. But then, don't get me wrong, I like data. I think it's important. And if we want to explore this performance space, if we really want to push the body, and that might be muscle building or fat loss or actually performance space. So building certain energy systems, looking at our anaerobic and aerobic capacity. And so that's what I'm going to play around with. Uh, And I'm going to use myself as a test subject. Because I believe that women can train hard. we just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. And the first step of that is building a proper foundation, slowing down and working on all of the stuff that we do in the first 12 months inside of warrior school. From there, then let's go. A lot of my warriors are graduated, you know they've reached their 12 months and, They've graduated and now we're really playing around with training hard. And I said to them, you know, at the start of this challenge, like, let's go. Let's effing go. Uh, And see what your body can do. So this performance piece will be about that. Will be about, okay, let's learn how to train hard, how to train harder in a respectful way, which means we need data. I'm very excited about this. As you can see, I could keep talking about it, but I'm going to keep you posted on the experience. So she comes today. So later today I'm going to play around with her and, and then I'm going to start building out this performance side of Warrior School, which is very epic. Okay shall we talk about our topic today yes let's talk about how to talk to our daughters about food and their bodies welcome to the warrior school podcast the podcast for women who train i believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bo coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. So I have been fascinated with relationships for a long time, and I started to become very fascinated with our relationship to food and our body in 2006 my sister had endured anorexia nervosa for a number of years i finished school in 2005 and i planned to do a year in london before i came back and i wanted to do i wanted to go to a performing arts school i wanted to do drama so i went to london and she was having trouble with Eating and her relationship to food and her relationship to her body uh, before I left. So she had an eating disorder and I remember being over there and getting a call from my mom saying that she was admitted into hospital. She was very unwell, uh, very underweight, very sick. And so they admitted her to hospital to what they call refeed her. And I got on a plane and I flew straight home so I wasn't there for a long at all. I don't think I was there for even a month before I flew back home and I was there for that experience. Uh, She wouldn't eat any of the hospital food. They had to do a nasogastric tube which is where they put a tube down her nose uh, to feed her and so I would do a lot of the cooking I would do the cooking at home and then bring it to her at the hospital so she would eat some food and then slowly you know we we began the recovery process um but it was this experience that really birthed my fascination with our relationship to food and our bodies so i grew up in a house that my mum was always on a diet my mom my auntie uh We always had diet books in the house. They were always trying different diets. There was always talk about weight, size, shape, uh, body image. So, you know, our primary caregivers, the environment that we grow up in, what we're exposed to, uh, who leads us, especially in this space when it comes to our body and food is so powerful. And... If we are raised in an environment, you know, if we are raising our daughters and we don't have a powerful relationship with food and our bodies, our daughters are going to learn that. And that's very dangerous. So today I want to talk about how we can not only talk to our daughters about food and their bodies, but lead, you know, lead, One of your roles, being a parent, being a mom, being a primary caregiver, even being a leading female role in your niece's lives, in your friend's daughter's lives, we all play a role and are we powerfully leading them? This is why we need to do the work on looking at our relationship with food and our bodies. Because if it ain't powerful, how can we powerfully lead our young humans? You know, and this is, I'm going to talk a lot about girls today, but this is, this is even for for young boys as well actually my really good friend who i did my undergrad degree with uh she did her phd on body dysmorphic disorder and that uh shows up a lot it's highly prevalent in males and so that was a very interesting paper to read and it's really cool once you get into the research there and learn about uh what males go through and their experience with, you know, food and their relationship with their bodies. But today in this podcast episode, I'm going to talk a lot about, uh, our young girls and how it is our responsibility to look at our relationship with food and our body. So then we can lead by example, powerfully, and we can powerfully talk to our daughters and our young girls about food and their bodies so my sister's experience was what birthed my fascination with our relationship with food and our bodies and i decided that i wanted to become a dietitian and specialize in eating disorders so i did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition and part of that degree we had to do a major research project and mine was on the eating disorder continuum so there is a continuum down one end so the left end we have a healthy relationship with food in our bodies. We are a confident eater, no disordered eating practices or clinically diagnosed eating disorder. Then down the other end is a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. So anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, uh, binge eating, and non-specific. Then we have this big whack of stuff in the middle and this is where we find a lot of disordered eating practices so there is a continuum and in this major research project i looked at what causes us to slide up and down this continuum why are some of us you know, down the left side, down the left end, where we have a really strong relationship with food, with our body, we're confident eaters. And then why are some of us up the other end, where we develop clinically diagnosed eating disorders? So I looked at that in my research project. And I became really fascinated with this middle piece. And in the middle, we find a lot of disordered eating practices. So there are a lot of risk factors uh, that can put someone at risk for developing an eating disorder. We're not going to go into those today, but there there is a continuum. And maybe, you know, if you think back, I just want you to pause and think about your relationship to food and your body have you ever been down that left side have you ever had a positive relationship a strong powerful relationship to food and to your body have you been up the other end have you experienced an eating disorder or have you spent most of your life in the middle So I did my major research project on the eating disorder continuum and then I applied to do my master's in dietetics in Melbourne. So I moved to Melbourne in 2009. Then I did my master's in dietetics uh, which was very clinical, very unsatisfying. Uh, But I did find some very very cool and powerful mentors while I was doing my masters, cause I knew that I wanted to work in private practice. I knew that I wanted to specialize in eating disorders and body image. So I found uh, Fiona Sutherland who became my mentor and her and her partner, Sarah Harry, they uh, had a group called RIPE. And this RIPE group, was for women over 18 with binge eating and bulimia. So they would run these group sessions and I had the absolute privilege and pleasure of being a part of their work. And Fiona Sutherland actually became my mentor. She is a sports dietitian in Melbourne uh, who works for the Australian Ballet and had been in the body image and eating disorder space for a long time. So I got to be mentored under Fiona and I got to be a part of Fiona and Sarah, uh, Sarah's group, Ripe group. So I did a couple of those, which was really epic. uh, And I got to see how they led these group programs for women who had binge eating disorder and bulimia nervosa. So that was my first experience really after uh, my masters i then found um, a lovely brilliant mentor and dietitian and i went into private practice and i was mentored under carly harris who had an amazing private practice in melbourne And then I started to do private practice work as a dietitian, working mostly with uh, people who had eating disorders or disordered eating and body image issues. I then actually joined forces and was invited to come on board to be an educator for the Butterfly Foundation. So the Butterfly Foundation is a non-for-profit in Australia, and they do body image workshops and presentations in schools. So from year three all the way up to year 12, we go in and we do workshops and presentations on body image uh, and our relationship to bodies and food and eating disorders for, we mostly speak about eating disorders in, you know, when when the little humans are a little older in the later years, the later school years. So I actually did that for uh, over a year. I went into schools and did workshops and presentations on body image and self-esteem. And doing that work, I really, I realized that I didn't wanna be in the clinical world. I found it extremely hard to work with women who were quite unwell clinically. I found it hard for a couple of different reasons. One was that it was very close to home uh, because of my sister. It's hard work. um, it's, It's heartbreaking work. And it was very personal for me. And when I started to do my work with the Butterfly Foundation, I fell in love with this education preventative side of what if we could talk to our kids about body image and self-esteem and relationship to our body and to food and to you know and talk to talk to them about eating disorders and this continuum before they end up You know, with a clinically diagnosed eating disorder, what if we could talk to them about the culture and we could have this open communication and education? And so I fell in love with the work that I did at the Butterfly Foundation. It was so cool and really powerful to have these amazing conversations with these young, you know, young boys and girls around their bodies and you know what was you know what were they were finding hard and challenging, and we talked about the culture and social media and pressure and our relationship that we had with food and what we thought about our bodies and how we could build a stronger self-esteem and a stronger body image and how we could uh, really nurture and nourish our relationship with food and our bodies. So I actually stop practicing in private practice. uh, And that was an extremely hard decision uh, to come to. Took me about a year to decide to move out of private practice, go back into the training space and also continue to work for the Butterfly Foundation. But I did it. uh, And so I actually found myself back in the training world after a couple of years of being in private practice. And this is when I started to connect into this this piece of, okay, so I am training these women. They want to feel a certain way in their body. They want to look a certain way, but we really need to look at their relationship with food and their relationship to their body. So I started to bring that into my work, uh, my training work when I was a trainer. Well, I still am a trainer, (laughs) but... Uh, This was in 2013, 2014, where I started to bring this other side into my training practice. For a long time, I had just been a trainer. You know, it was just about exercise and movement and training. And I started to weave and link in this piece around food and our relationship to food. And now it shows up in warrior school and in my work today, you know, and we look a lot at relationships. Because if we can change the relationship that we have with something, that will change the outcome. This is why I don't put my warriors on set meal plans. I don't tell them what to eat. Uh, This is why even at the start, we don't do a lot of tracking work. What we do do is we look at their relationship that they have with food. We look at their thoughts and their beliefs around food. We slowly break down some of these beliefs, uh, these challenges that they have around food, and we build a stronger relationship. Because when we build a stronger relationship with the thing, then that, that will... That will positively impact the outcome. So I, for the last, I guess, you know, 10, 12, 13 years have been helping women build more of a powerful relationship with their food and their body through training and through them learning about food and their hormones and their metabolism and how to create a strong food strategy for themselves. And what I actually wanted to speak to you about today is I'm actually doing some work with a female. She's 16 years old. And I don't do this at all. Uh, the only thing that I do is warrior school. And, you know, all of the women that are in warrior school, they're mostly in their 40s, 50s. But actually, one of the women who is in warrior school, her daughter, was having a lot of trouble with her relationship to food. And so she asked me, Did I know anyone here who was a dietitian and specialized in eating disorders and body image? And actually, I don't. Uh, I don't have a strong network here when it comes to the eating disorder space as I did in Melbourne and so I said to her I'll I'm super open I'll just have a chat with her and I'll just see where she's at and then from there we could look at finding someone that could support her so I just had a conversation with her and then we've actually been doing some work together Uh, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my process that I use with females uh, young females when it comes to uh, food and eating issues so first i want to offer you this you know i am not a psychologist i'm not a counselor that specializes in eating disorders i have a background um, from both a personal side and then i worked in the eating disorder space as a dietitian i don't currently practice right now here in canada as a dietitian but a lot of my work within warrior school and over the last 13 14 years has been around this stuff looking at our relationship with food and our bodies how we talk to ourselves how we can build a more powerful relationship so then therefore we can be more powerful leaders for our next generation for our daughters for all the young females there in the world so There's two sides to it when we're really talking about um, the eating disorder stuff and the food and our bodies. There is a very clinical side to it. So right down that right end of the continuum where someone is experiencing a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. And there is a criteria that we go through uh, that, can classify or specify if someone has a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. Depending on where they are uh, with their health and their weight, they may have to enter into the medical world. And so my sister was severely underweight that it was compromising her life and her health. And so she had to be admitted to the medical world to do what we call a refeed. It's really hard to work with someone um, from the, the mental perspective, the psychological perspective, if they are severely underfed. Our brain doesn't work properly. And, you know, you've all experienced this when we don't eat enough or we're really underfed we can't think properly we can't concentrate we can't focus and so someone who has a severe eating disorder their brain's not working right it doesn't have enough fuel and so we do what's called a refeed and sometimes they have to be admitted into hospital and they have to be refed often that is through a nasogastric tube uh, to get the calories and the nutrition back into them alongside uh working with they work with a full medical team so if you're a dietitian in the hospital you know you're on their team the doctor's on the team the psychologist is on the team or the counselor and so they have a full team that can help start their rehabilitation process so sometimes they do inpatient work they do have day programs uh, that they can do and then there is private practice work that potentially after being in the hospital, being in the day program, that they can go into doing private practice work with a dietitian and a psychologist to help their recovery. So that's the medical part. And this is when we are looking at a clinically diagnosed eating disorders uh, where potentially they are very low weight uh, and they a lot of their biofeedback, a lot of their health markers are in the red and so they need immediate uh, medical support then we have the the middle space where we have disordered eating practices we don't have a strong relationship with food in our body Uh, we have a lot of food rules a lot of food fears Potentially, there is some stuff going on with our biofeedback. Um, it could be underweight. We could be overweight. It depends what disordered eating practices that we have. And so then there's this like the the middle piece, uh, and and I really wanted to sit into that and 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 talk about. Uh, The process that I would go through that I do use in warrior school if I'm working with a woman who has um, not a great relationship with food and her body. Also, the process I'm working through with this young female right now. So I'm going to break it into a few different phases. So the first phase is early childhood. Now, I'm not an expert in early childhood development, so I'm currently talking to a couple of people that you know, work in the space of, uh, children and helping children and parents nourish and nurture their relationship with food. Uh, and so I want them to come on cause that's their jam. Like that's their, their space. So I find it really fascinating. Now I'm not a mom. I have five nieces and nephews. My mom was a manager of a childcare center for a really long time. I've been around children my entire life. Uh, and I've done some reading and research on uh, introduction to food and our relationship to food in early childhood. But, you know, I don't own that space. It's not my specialty. So I wanted to get a couple of people on that could speak more powerfully to that. And that could also give you some tools and strategies because I know it ain't easy. <laughs> uh Life is full and sometimes we are tired and sometimes it's extremely frustrating that our children don't want to eat the food that we make for them. And sometimes some of us find that we're cooking four different meals at dinner time. Uh, Sometimes we find ourselves getting in arguments and fights around Eating food. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a grocery store uh, negotiating with our child uh, and using food as a reward system. Or we find ourselves at the dinner table using food as a reward system. Eat this or you can't get this. And I just want to say, I believe that, you know, we do the best that we can in the moment. But it, for me, the way that I look at it, it's always going to come back to an energy problem and a stress problem. If we don't have enough energy ourselves, if we're squishy on time, we're busy, we're tired, we're exhausted. We don't have the space to nourish this very important relationship. And it is an extremely important relationship. So it's our responsibility as the adult to make sure that we're nourished. So we have the energy, so we have the resiliency, the tolerance and the patience to support our little children in their experience and journey and relationship with food. That's on us. If you find yourself getting frustrated, uh, forcing them to eat certain things, using a reward system, we really need to pause and we need to. Create more energy so we can create more resiliency and tolerance within us. We need to be more patient. We might need even support. Uh, you know, we might need some tools and strategies, some language that we can use. One of my sisters has three extremely fussy eaters. She's had a really hard time. They're nine, eight, and five or six. And they've always been fussy eaters. And so like, I get it. I get it that it's hard. I get sometimes that you just want to, you just want your child to eat the goddamn food. But there's a lot of research that says that, you know, there's critical periods of time when we're introducing them to solids. And you know, when they're around four five, six, that we need to be patient. We need to do a few key things in order to really nurture their relationship with food, uh, and their bodies. What happens is that children are so intuitive when they're younger, Uh, they know when they're hungry, they know when they're full, and they lose that intuition because we, as adults disconnect them from that intuition because and we do this because we have certain rules around maybe it's meal times or portion sizes or certain foods that they should and shouldn't eat Uh, and so we slowly erode this very intuitive um, relationship that we have as a at a young age now that's not saying that Of course, we want to to lead our children and expose our children to certain things that maybe they wouldn't choose that for themselves. Uh, And so there's a fine balance between allowing them to be intuitive uh, and, and being relaxed around that, but then also being powerful leaders. So what they talk about a lot is that we need to be a role model first so we need to model a healthy relationship with food ourselves we want to focus on health and not weight so we always want to focus on the performing body the functioning body we want to talk about energy and health not weight shape or size we want to let them dictate and have our some say and control and we want to empower them when it comes to food and their relationship with food and we can do that by getting them involved in growing our own food going to the grocery store helping us cook Uh, we can get them to help plate their own meal up so they get to dictate their portion sizes we want to give them options Now that doesn't mean we cook four separate meals. They talk about how, as you sit down as a family, you'll cook a family meal, but that meal will have different components to it. And so putting those components separately on a plate gives them options. And so then they get to choose what they want to try. And there's this thing in uni that we learnt uh, and it's called repeated exposure. And I'm not super up to date on the research. I haven't read a lot of research when it comes to early childhood development and food in a while, but uh, at university, they were talking about how we need to repeatedly expose uh, a child to something. I think it's like 15 or 20 times. It might even be 25 times until they potentially might accept the food. And so giving them options and just putting it there, We need to do that more than one time. Just because our children don't eat the thing the first time doesn't mean they won't eat it the 10th time, the 15th time, the 20th time. We need to be okay when they don't want something. Uh, We don't want a reward. Uh, And so there's a lot of things around this and we'll dive deeper into it when we do a full podcast episode on you know, introduction to food, early childhood and building a healthy relationship with food. Uh, But for me, you know, the way that I talk about it with my warrior women, especially if they have a lot of them have children and meal times can be stressful, you know, it can be hard enough to feed ourselves and then we're feeding, you know, an entire family. And then within that family, if we have allergies and Um, intolerances and if we have dislikes and it can be a really stressful time and so getting some support uh, to learn some tools and strategies can be really helpful but also it's always going to come back to energy and this is with you know anything when it comes to relationships with our children with our partner with our friends if we're low on energy we feel squishy and stressed we don't have the capacity and the resiliency and the tolerance to be able to handle, um, you know, meal times that might be a little bit more challenging. So it's really on us. It, it's always going to come back to looking at what's your relationship with food like? Uh, do you have enough energy? Are you eating enough? Is your blood sugar balanced? Are you resourced up enough to face potentially some challenges when it comes to uh, our your, your kids and mealtimes. All right, so that would be like the first phase that we would look at. Now, a lot of my work is in the second phase, which is adolescence um, or, you know, teens and then into our 20s and 30s. And now most of my work is with women who are in their 40s and 50s. So to recap, if you have little humans who are pre-adolescents, pre-teen, the most powerful thing that we can do is model a healthy relationship with food. We can create an environment that uses body positive language that focuses on health and not weight, shape, or size. We can Build our energy up so we have more resiliency and tolerance to help our little humans work through and develop their relationship with food. And then there are some key things that we can do at mealtimes, which we will go into uh, on a later podcast episode. Then we can enter this space where our daughters are in their teens, their pre-teens, teenagers, adolescents. And we have the home environment, but then they're also exposed to the culture. So now they are exposed to uh, the culture at school. They're exposed to social media, uh, media. And now we have uh, a complex beast on our hands (laughs) that can make it a little harder to navigate as a parent because we we have this other side of it you know when they're in their early childhood their home environment is the most powerful environment your you know their primary caregiver is going to be their model that's what they're going to be exposed to but then they start to venture out into the world uh, Also, I will say, actually, if children go to um, play group or preschool, when, you know, before school, obviously they're exposed to a different environment and they're fed in those environments. Uh, And so looking at that, you know, looking at their school environment and their preschool environment, uh, what do they do to help model Uh, and build a healthy relationship with food. I would be really interested in knowing that uh, as a parent, if they spend a lot of time there uh, at at daycare or preschool, you know, that's a lot of meals. And I would really wanna know as a parent what their experience is like uh, around food in those environments. So the environment is really key. Now, as they Go into school as they get older they're exposed to the culture and they're exposed to the media social media a lot of kids now they have phones at such a young age I didn't get my first phone I think until I was in year 11 or grade 11. Uh, And so now as a parent, we have to help them navigate that. And so when I was working for the Butterfly Foundation, we would do this whole part on social media. And one of the things that has stuck with me and that I still use today inside of Warrior School with my women, does it inspire or does it trigger you when you're using social media? Is it inspiring you or is it triggering you? So a lot of the girls uh, in high school, when we would talk about this topic, we would talk a lot about how it really triggers us. We start to fall into comparison. And from this, then it can really impact uh, our body image and our self-esteem. And then we start to see behavior changes uh, when it comes to food and exercise. So We have an adolescent female, (laughs) which in of itself is, it can be really challenging. Uh, I was a challenging daughter for a good two years and there's a lot going on, especially when we start to get our cycle, there's a lot going on hormonally, there's a lot going on. You know, there's pressure from the culture, from our friends, uh, from the media. <laughs> and as a parent, that can be really overwhelming. Uh, we're also experiencing that ourselves, yeah? We're exposed to the culture. We're on social media. We're the ones scrolling Instagram as well. And so if we don't do the work on our body image and our self-esteem and our relationship with food, uh It's harder to do that work, I think, with our daughters. So if we want to be able to powerfully talk to our daughters about food and their relationship with food, we need to look at our relationship with food. So what do I mean by food relationship? Well, food relationships are our connection and relationship with food. So everyone has them. And our childhood experiences of food and eating often shape our adult food relationships and the way that we think about uh, and feel about food. Not always, but it's pretty common. So I've worked with women who were placed on diets when they were eight years old. And so they've been on diets for decades. That... Has definitely shaped their adult food relationship. They aren't confident eaters. They don't trust uh, their bodies. They don't know how to feed their bodies themselves without being on a diet, being told what to do. They have a lot of uh, food rules they restrict. Uh, They're eating to manage or change their weight. Uh, there's extreme guilt. You know, there's negative language around food. And at the extreme end, Some of them even have eating disorders or severe disordered eating uh, that leads to feelings of guilt and shame. So all of these behaviors, these beliefs rub off on our children and our adolescents. So, and we don't want this, yeah? We want our children and our daughters to become confident eaters with a positive, powerful relationship with food. So we need to look at our relationship with food. What do you believe? Do you have food rules? What language do you use around food? Have you been on a diet forever? Uh, Have you experienced an eating disorder? So what are healthy relationships with food? What does that look like? For some women, that's foreign. They're like, what? What do you mean to be a healthy, confident eater? (laughs) So in a healthy relationship with food, food is allowed to be enjoyable. What I often tell my women is yes, food is for fuel. You know, food is to nourish ourselves on an energy level. It's to support our metabolism, our physiology. Uh, But food is also for love, connection and joy. Food is allowed to be enjoyable. When we have a healthy relationship with food, we are confident eaters. We know what foods make us feel good, that fuel us the best. Uh, I love how the metabolic space speaks about it. And I think it's been the coolest thing for women because it's brought it back to the science, to the physiology. It's taken out a lot of the emotion. I'm not saying that the emotion isn't important, but if we understand the science, if we understand uh, ourselves from a physiological perspective, the metabolism, the nervous system, there are certain foods that when we eat them, that they're easily digested and absorbed, that they really support our hormones, our thyroid, our physiology. Uh, they give us the fuel to perform and function. Uh, they help our body be healthy. And then there are foods that aren't as easily digested and absorbed. There are foods that create inflammation. There are foods that don't support our hormones and our thyroid as well. And so they don't help us perform and function as well. Now, I think that's a really cool space to be in because it takes the emotion out of it. And we really get to understand the science and the physiology behind it. And I think that's really uh, empowering. So when we have a healthy relationship with food, we have an understanding of food. And this is such a such a missing piece uh and this is why you know i i want warrior school to be the school that women come to to learn everything that they didn't learn in school about themselves their physiology training nutrition their body their cycle because we should be taught this shit in school we should be taught about food and about Our physiology and about macronutrients and calories, and you know, our thyroid and our hormones, and all of this stuff we should be taught. You know, I've done two degrees, one a master's in dietetics, and you know, they didn't even talk about some of this stuff when it comes to our thyroid and our physiology. So, when we have a healthy relationship with food, I believe we understand food, we understand our physiology. We know that it's used for fuel. It's used to fuel our performing, our functioning body. It helps our body be healthy, but it's also allowed to be enjoyed. It's for love, connection and joy. We don't have strict rules and restrictions, uh, except if we have foods that need to be avoided for medical reasons, um, you know, such as allergies. We have a good connection with our body's cues. So, we know our hunger and fullness cues really well we are very connected to our biofeedback and we honor our hunger you know we don't ignore it and we respect our fullness Uh, i think healthy food relationships allow for flexibility in foods Um, there's a balance there there's also a clarity that you know what you're eating supports your body so it becomes your food strategy so i want you to think about it what's your relationship with food like today you know what language do you use around it what beliefs do you have around food do you still view food as good and bad right and wrong uh are you still on diets a lot do you enjoy food Do you respect your body's cues? Are you connected to your body? So this early childhood work and looking at our relationship with food and modeling positive behavior is really important because it's preventative. It's helping nurture and nourish a strong positive relationship with food at a young age. But then they're going to be exposed to The culture, to social media, to media, uh, to their friends. And potentially they're going to start to struggle with their relationship to food and their bodies. So, what do we do? You know, if we see some signs, some symptoms, some characteristics, uh, how do we talk to our daughters about it? First, I think, you know, what are we looking for? What are some signs, some symptoms, and some characteristics that we could be looking for? Sometimes they're super subtle uh, and they're often hard to notice. So I just thought we would talk through uh, some signs and some symptoms or some characteristics that might start to present themselves uh, in your daughters. And, you know, I don't want to say they're warning signs or they're red flags, but we just want to be aware. So it could be, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the eating disorder space around personality traits. So if you do have a daughter who has uh, perfectionistic tendencies, uh, might have a little bit of OCD, is obsessed with routine, wants everything to be perfect, those personality traits uh, can increase the risk of potentially developing disordered eating practices. Um, They can use food to control uh, and the control is safe and comforting. We could look at physical changes that you see uh, and we never want to mention these. Uh, We don't want to mention physical appearance. We always want to come at it from a health perspective but we could be noticing a change in weight, so rapid weight fluctuations. Uh, We could be noticing more hair on the body or losing hair, brittle nails. Uh, We could also be noticing that they're always cold, there's a loss of period, maybe there's a puffiness, uh, maybe they change the clothes that they wear. And then there's behaviors that we might start to notice. So uh, a higher fixation on food, uh, wanting to control the meals and cook the meals, counting calories or having difficulty eating uh, certain foods without knowing the ingredients or the calories in them. Uh, a sudden interest uh like i said a a sudden interest or fixation on they want to do the grocery shopping they want to feed other members of the family you know they're always keen to cook or bake for others they're always watching or reading things about cooking or recipes or diet books or food magazines uh there might be language or around, you know, being fat or mentioning their appearance all the time, uh, they might avoid certain things. Uh, they might have difficulty concentrating. They might start exercising or exercising more. Uh, so there are signs and symptoms and characteristics that we can look for. Now, if we start to see these things that's really scary. You know, that's really scary as a parent, um, as a, a female leader, a guardian, a caregiver in that young person's life. You know, we don't want our child to have a negative relationship with food in their body. We don't want our child to harm themselves. We want our children to be happy and healthy and, you know, enjoy life. So, What I get asked a lot from the women that I work with is, you know, how do I talk to my children about my concerns? If I'm noticing something, how do I even begin to have that conversation? Uh, And, you know, we could do a whole podcast episode just on communication. And again, I'm not a psychologist that specializes in this, and I'll just offer you up some observations and some things that i found helpful in my practice and that, you know, I use with my women, but it's not prescriptive. So, you know, instead of saying something like, I know you are doing X and it's going to hurt you, or I know you are doing this and that's not okay. We need to try and reframe it. So, We need to say things like, I can see that you are having a struggle with X right now and you seem, you know, sad or tired. Uh, We want to use what they call I statements. So like, I am noticing you're not yourself. I am noticing that you're low on energy. I am noticing you're always cold. I feel something is bothering you. I can see that uh food is a little stressful for you and we you know we always want i statements we want to approach with concern and without judgment so we don't want to blame we don't want to make accusations Uh, we don't even want to uh, we don't want the behavior to be the highlight uh, of the conversation so the first thing is you know demonstrating empathy so i understand how upsetting this experience is for you or i can appreciate that you might not want to talk about your difficulties but i care about you too much Uh, and so i would love to have this conversation with you Uh, how could i make it easier for you to talk about what's going on We just want to maintain open and ongoing dialogue with your child. Uh, So. First, we need the space, you know, we need the we need the space. Uh, We need the energy, we need the capacity to have the conversation. We also need to understand that it might not go well all of the time. so, we just need to create space. We need to use I statements. Uh, we want to seek to understand and asking questions like, How would you describe what you're going through? or What's the hardest part for you right now when it comes to X? Um, then we just want to assure them that we're there, you know, know that I'm always here. Uh, That you can talk to me, uh, you know, you can help me understand what you're going through. Uh, We don't want to comment on their appearance or their weight at all. Uh, And what comes up a lot is that we really want to be careful in telling them just eat. And we can do this at a really young age. We can we can even link it back to this early childhood where, you know, I've you're just frustrated and you're at the table and you're just eat it. Uh, And I know from my own experience, remembering when my sister was unwell, there were multiple times when we were like, just eat, just eat it. And it's coming from a place of fear, of uncertainty, of overwhelm, um, where you're really scared, but that's a very unhelpful thing to say. (laughs) But we can be clear. So we can say things like, I've noticed you seem to be avoiding a lot of foods lately, even your favorite foods, and I'm concerned that you may not be eating enough for your body to work well and to function and grow as it should. I... like to hear what you think about that and would you be open to talking to someone about that or we could say you seem to be having trouble with knowing how much food is enough for you and i've noticed you sometimes don't eat a lot and other times you eat more than usual and you seem uh, unhappy so i think that we need some guidance Uh, i'd like for us to see someone what do you think about this? So you're always uh, and I've done some podcast episodes on uh, confident communication. We're always uh, coming into the conversation open, we want to ask for permission uh, and And we're always asking uh, questions. We're never making statements and we want to use I statements a lot so i just wanted to talk you through uh, how i approach it and it might be helpful for you approaching a harder conversation with someone in your life so i'll break it down into a couple of different phases in my work Uh, so i'll break it down into an assessment phase and then a treatment phase But if you're a parent, uh, what that really just means is sessions. So it's really just creating space or time uh, to have certain conversations or potentially what you're going to do is refer out and get support from a psychologist or a dietitian. And what they'll normally do is they'll do an assessment phase and, you know, that might take between one to three sessions. It will depend on the complexity of the issue. But what we're really looking at is just the history of relationship with food and body and the body image. We're looking at the history of eating behavior. We're looking for any significant weight loss. Uh, We're looking at their metrics or their biofeedback. So what's, you know, what's going on with their body physiologically? We're also going to get clear on what's the focus and the goals for the work. You know, what is the approach that we want to take and do we need a team around us? So with the 16-year-old female that I'm working with, we did a couple of sessions just looking at her relationship with food. She told me about what was going on for the past 12 months what triggered um, her to start losing weight. We spoke about her relationship with food right now, what she finds hard and challenging. We spoke about uh, her safe foods and unsafe foods, her eating behavior. We spoke about her weight loss. We spoke about her physiology and her biofeedback. So we went through and we looked at all of those markers Uh, And then we got clear on our focus and our goals for our work together. So together we came up with a plan uh, and I then uh, got her mother to start to do some research on a psychologist. So looking at who else do we need on the treatment team? Who else can support us? Yeah, who's on our team? I talk about that a lot when we're thinking about our goals and our visions, you know, who's on your team. So we did that over a couple of sessions. And then our third session, we spent the session talking about what is a healthy body? What is health? And looking at helping her understand her own body, her physiology, her metabolism, Uh, her markers her metrics and I think this is really important this is key we as women we need to understand our physiology we need to understand what is a healthy body because health is not just how we look health is how the body actually functions so we spent a whole session talking about what is a healthy body what did she believe a healthy body was you know what um what is a healthy body from a physiological perspective we went through all her markers all her biofeedback so we looked at you know her energy her cycle uh, her mood her appetite and she got clear on okay so you know there's some red flags here And she understood that her body wasn't as healthy and it wasn't functioning as well as it should be. Then the next session, we looked at breaking down beliefs and so unpacking food rules and looking at safe and unsafe foods. So often if. We're really struggling with our relationship with food we'll have a lot of beliefs around food we'll have a lot of food rules and some foods will feel really safe and others will feel really unsafe now when we're working on our relationship with food it's really important that we break down these beliefs so we get someone to help us break down what we believe you know why do we believe that where did that come from Is that actually true? Is that belief true? Or is it just a story and a belief that our mind has made up? Then we wanna unpack all of these food rules. So with her, we went through all of her food rules and we wrote them all down. And she felt really silly and she knew logically that these rules didn't make sense, but she couldn't help it. And we never want to feel, you know, we never want to make our daughters feel shame or guilt for feeling these things. And I'm sure even yourself, you've had certain rules and you're like, this is the dumbest rule ever, but I can't not do it. Like it's a rule for me. So we don't want to feel shame or guilt. Yeah, it's just, it is a rule. The mind's made it up and that's like, it's totally cool. Yeah, we want to do some work to obviously change it or relax it, but it's okay. Yeah, and the mind is also gonna have safe and unsafe foods. And some of that won't make sense either. And that's also okay. It's okay that it doesn't make sense. And we did a lot of work on her safe and unsafe foods. So she had all of these foods that felt really safe and then a lot of foods that felt unsafe. So one of our goals in our treatment plan, uh, she didn't have her cycle. Uh, So one of our goals was to get her cycle back also she had low energy she had trouble sleeping and concentrating she was still training and exercising a lot so one of the goals was to increase her energy intake. Now, there is a strategy behind this and what I found in my practice as a dietitian and working in the eating disorder space is that we have to slowly work backwards. We can't pull in all of these unsafe foods to try and increase energy intake. So we used her safe foods and we created a strategy that helped increase her energy intake using foods that felt really safe and comfortable to her. Then on the next session, we explored her unsafe foods and we broke down some beliefs around those unsafe foods. I educated her on the foods and their role and their importance. And then together we develop a strategy. Uh, It's like a little project where we slowly reintroduce some unsafe foods back into her diet. Uh, This is done slowly over time while we're still trying to meet energy needs to prevent the weight loss and to support the body using safe foods i take the you know the more patient slower approach where you know i really want to spend time nurturing and nourishing uh her relationship with food and so we really have spent the last two three four sessions uh, working on unsafe foods and reintroducing them back into her diet and it's super cool she's eating some stuff that she avoided for over a year and she feels really safe and confident and comfortable doing that she's prevented further weight loss she has more energy Uh, we're just trying to get back her cycle and that means we need to bump up her intake even more Uh, and so we're focusing on um, eating a little bit more really looking at um, her pre and post exercise fueling, and we're monitoring that uh, cycle marker. So that's where we're at with the work, and that's the approach uh, that I take. I first just get super curious about what's going on. You know, where where did it start? Uh, what are her thoughts and beliefs around food and her body right now? You know, what's the history like? Uh, Looking at the weight loss, looking at the biofeedback, then we look at the goals and the focus of the work. Uh, we create a plan together. We see if we need anyone else to help us, and then we start. And we just start with: okay, let's understand our body. Let's understand the physiology. Let's have a look at what your body's telling us. You know, there's signs and symptoms that your body, that your body communicates, and often. It's going to communicate them when we're not fueling ourselves with enough food. So let's have a look at them. You know, what do you think about them? Would you like to change that? And then we slowly start to look at how can we do that? You know, we have to look at beliefs and we have to use the safe foods to create a food strategy to slowly increase energy intake. And then over time, we just start to reintroduce unsafe foods through education through a strategy through support um accountability and over time we start to develop a more powerful relationship with food and our bodies I've come at it from a very functioning performance perspective uh, with this young female because she responded really well she's very interested in the science uh, She's very interested in learning more about her body, and I find that that's really empowering. Okay, let's recap. Uh, So, a lot of this work I do in Warrior School as well with the women that I work with. Uh, A lot of them come into Warrior School and they've been dieting for years or decades. They don't have a powerful relationship with food and their body. And actually, this is why in this year's end of year event, our topic, our theme for this year is building powerful relationships. So it's a two day immersion event. I have three amazing guest speakers coming and it's all about building powerful relationships because I believe the relationship that you have with yourself is the number one relationship that you'll have in this life. But also we have some other important relationships, and that is the relationship that we have with food, the relationship that we have with our body, the relationship that we have with our mind, with training. So we're going to run this epic two-day event inside of Warrior School, and we're going to look at this stuff. And actually a big part of my work in Warrior School is helping women build a powerful relationship with their bodies and with food and we do this through a lot of the stuff that I have spoken about today so this stuff is not just for our daughters uh, a lot of us are learning this stuff and we're you know in our 40s or 50s or we're unlearning a lot of the stuff that you know we've been we've been taught by the culture uh, and so I recommend, you know, share it with another warrior. Share it with another warrior that has a daughter that might be struggling with food and her body. Uh, Okay, let's recap it quickly. You are a leader. You're the model. Model what a powerful relationship with health, your body and food looks like. And in order to do that, you've got to do a lot of work on it. So if you need help uh, working on this stuff, I highly recommend that you check out Warrior School. It's my online coaching program for women. And we build powerful relationships. We redefine how we train and live. And that will help you model this stuff for your daughters, for your children. So be the model. Be the leader. uh, the next thing that we can do is to create these confident, open conversations, this communication line. And there are specific things that you know we can say. Uh, we want to invite them into the conversation. We want permission. We want it to be open. We want it to be a really positive experience. Uh, and so how we communicate about this stuff is really important. And then the third one would be, you need a team, you know, who's on your team, who can help you, who can support you, Uh, even, you know, who can help lead your daughter in this stuff if it is quite a serious uh, eating disorder or disordered eating. And so we need a team, you know, we need a wise counsel, we need a table. Uh, And so getting clear on who's on your team and who can support you with this is really important all right warrior woman that's it for today uh reach out to me if you have any questions uh comments Uh, i love hearing from you i read them all uh it's a joy to um connect with you so thank you for listening uh she was a big one and have a great week bye for now warrior woman thanks so much for listening to this episode if you haven't please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.